Howdy, everybody. Welcome to The Fit Musician One. I'm Vinny Krzyzewski, and this is episode seven with uh, Micah Holman, a good friend of mine here in Nashville, saxophone player and uh, a Renaissance guy. You're going to hear a lot of cool, really cool stuff uh, about him today. Um, just want to let you know you can get in touch with us via Facebook and Instagram at Fit Musician One. You can go to the website fitmusician1.com, which is uh, which has got all of the shows archived, and you can subscribe there. And you can email me at vinny at fitmusician1.com. We are trying to discuss. We are actually we're going to discuss health and fitness and nutrition uh, as it relates to playing and creating music. Uh, on the regular. And we're also going to talk about some of the different things that we do to, uh, to get through our careers. And uh, that, that relates uh, on a health, fitness, and nutrition level. Also, we're going to talk uh, today about the side hustle. I like that a lot. Uh, welcome in. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Howdy, everybody. Vinny here with uh i am the fit musician one i actually i'm just trying to be the fit musician one and i'm sitting here with my friend michael holman uh nashville musician um michael how you doing today i'm good Vinny. thanks for having me man yeah man fantastic uh that you uh took your time and you're giving it to our our people hey where did you grow up grew up in minot north dakota went to high school at uh minot high Oh my not what was the uh what was the uh, uh mascot there? Uh the magician. The, uh, the Minot High Magician. The Minot Magician. Go Magi. <laughs> nice. How about college? Where'd you go to school? So uh, I went to a, a small D- division two university uh, in my hometown, Minot State University. Go Beavers. Ah. All sure. right. We're doing the mascot thing. Uh, sure, so whatever. And then you got a masters. I did. I moved to Nashville in 2016. Went to Belmont University. Cool. Got, got my good. masters there. Nice. Very good. Um, you played sports. Uh, tell me a little bit about when you started playing saxophone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I started playing saxophone in the fifth grade. Nice. Fifth grade. Yeah. Elementary school. Got my first jazz band in sixth grade, I think, and that's kind of where I thought this is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, plus saxophone players get all the girls. That's I'm not right, sure if yeah. anybody else is uh, We'll go with that. that. And uh, you played sports. I did. I was a three-sport athlete in high school. Um, football, basketball, baseball. Um, and then I, I played baseball at a Division two level in college as well. So five years in the NCAA. Nice. Um, now, did you have aspirations of going further with that baseball career? I, you know, I didn't. I, I kind of knew that would be the, the max out for me. I, I walked on at that, at that D2 school in, in Minot. And, um, I redshirted my first year and just tried to sit back and learn a lot. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed my four years there. And, that, and I knew it was going to kind of wrap up at the end. And, and that was enough for me. You know, I, I'd done it. Found it. Found some other ways to stay, you know, into the game, but, but, uh, yeah, the four years was enough for me. Very cool. And you are also a golfer. Uh, yeah, very amateur, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, we we grew up in North Dakota, and they're you know huge hunting and fishing up there, and we weren't into that. We never did much of that stuff. Um, my dad kind of grew us up on the golf course, so cool. that was that was our family activity. Besides the game of golf, what's your handicap? Uh, we'll say, we'll say single digit. I got it down to a single digit this summer. Nice. Single digit. Okay. And the the reason why I'm asking all this, um, everybody is in addition to playing 
uh, several gigs a week, some sessions here in Nashville on the saxophone. And being a very accomplished player, I've played with, with Micah. He, uh, he just does everything right. Um, you are a baseball professional, baseball umpire. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, like I said, I moved down to Nashville in 2016. And I had been umpiring at the high school level for probably close to 10 years back home. Um, and during grad school, I, I decided, man, this should be something I really want to get into and, and stay into down here. And I met the, the right people to get me into the college game. So that's kind of been something I've been pursuing now for the last two years or so. Very cool. And that's kind of a, that's kind, most of the time that's kind of a weekend gig. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, it, it varies, um, you know, from the spring to the summer with the, the college wood bat leagues and everything. But ideally, you know, if you get that full schedule, you're working Friday, Saturday, Sunday at a site come back home and get a midweek game either Tuesday or Wednesday. Cool. You know, close to home. Cool. Nice. And um what is uh like what's how do you get accredited or what what are you what how do you what do you have to do to get your credentials to do that? Is it just experience or is it a course or is it a class or is it a test? Or? Yeah, it's unlike the professional game, we don't actually have to go to a school or anything, but we do have several camps we need to attend in the fall. We're just trying to get in front of the right people. So um, you know, you spend your money, you take your shot, get in front of the right people, get into the right association, and then you, and then you pay your dues and, and you wait your turn and, you know, you try to get in front of the right guys and learn with the right guys. Um, and then, you, you know, you do take a test each year, but mostly it's, it's developing relationships, much like music, yeah. de- developing relationships with the right people um, to further your career, you know. Yeah. So by by right people you mean other umpires, guys who are in charge of a crew. Um, what about coaches? Uh, that's a big part. I mean, coaches are going to be, uh, you know, writing reports at the end of the year. You, yeah, you definitely want to stay on their good side. You know, you're not <laughs> friends with them by any means, but, right? <laughs> uh, uh, but you definitely need to stay on their good sides, and, and you know, you need to get in front of your assigner. Your assigner needs to be able to trust you and put you in the right position. You don't strike me as a person that would uh, turn their hat around and start kicking dirt. What's uh, tell me a story about uh, on on your level? About a coach that's really uh, gone off the reservation. Oh, man, this is good. I've had a couple this summer, actually. Um, man, you, you know, you can only take so much <laughs> so much personal stuff thrown your way. As soon as you hear the F word enough times, you got to pull the trigger. But our job now, especially with, you know, all the cell phones that are out there. Sure. Capturing everything. Oof. Man, we, we address it, we eject, and then we ignore. It's eject and walk away. That's, nice. That's the rule. So... We don't really get to get in arguments anymore, you right. know, like you've seen in the old days. Yeah. So our job is to address it, say that's enough, and then we get out of there. <laughs> My, uh, I'm a Orioles fan from way back. I, uh, I actually played uh, trumpet in a band at Cal Ripken's wedding. Oh, that's very cool. And the Doug DeCenses and all those cats used to come up, and, and uh, they used to hear a band that I played with in Baltimore um, on the regular. We did a regular Sunday night, and they would come in after the – after the matinee or, or come up and, and hang out and have a drink. And it was really cool. But uh, my my fond recollection of Earl Weaver. Are you hip to Earl Weaver? I don't know Earl oh, Weaver. Oh, dude, you got to YouTube Earl Weaver because this guy, seriously, you know, something would happen that was controversial and the, the stadium would start chanting his name. And he would come out and before he got to the umpire, he would have taken his cap off and turned it around. So that he could smell what he had for lunch or dinner. It was hysterical. I love that guy, man. It's great. So you, you, uh, wow, you got to just kind of interact and then move away. 
That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you can't be shy from conflict by any means, but you can't initiate conflict either. Yeah. And I think there's a fine balance. And, yeah. and it's something that these really experienced guys are so good at is being able to control the game and having a big field presence. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and how to address, you know, uh, an out of control player versus an assistant coach versus their manager. You sure. Know? There's ways yeah. to do it all. Yeah. Cool. And uh, and then there's a third <laughs> element here. Um, and we I alluded to the golf game. Uh, you work at a, a club here in Nashville. A yes, couple, sir. A couple days a week. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> I consider that to be my uh, my biggest side hustle of them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I graduated with my master's from Belmont in 2018. Um, and, you know, the goal, obviously, is to, to be that full-time musician. But Man, it's hard. It's hard to do that. And yeah. so for me right now, it's it's trying to find as many streams of income that are practical and that I can schedule around as possible. And I've been fortunate to find, you know, a really great team over there who who works really well with my schedule and my specific scheduling needs. Yeah. Um, but it's something I enjoy, too. And I think that's super important. Yeah. Also, the perks of having free golf Heck and being yeah, able to stay active through that is... Yeah. Something that I, I really love. Okay, you mentioned being active. Um, I would imagine uh, being behind the plate has a certain uh, physical demands. It looks to me like you uh, relax in between pitches, but you're kind of doing a semi squat almost for the pitches, so you can see the so you can see the strike zone and whatnot. So. Um, and then obviously for golf, you know, with flexibility and strength and lower body and legs and, and butt and, and all that kind of stuff. And then of course you work a full day at the course and then you've got a club gig that starts at 10 o'clock at night and you play until two. Um, what are you doing to stay in shape? Well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, like you alluded to before, man, if I'm, if I'm out in Kentucky, for instance, on a summer night, and we've had a couple nights where it's been about 95 or so. Whew. So you're wearing all the gear behind the plate, and, you know, give or take, this is an estimate, you're going to see anywhere from five, six, seven hundred pitches a night. And I'm a guy who likes to get low, you know, and get in a good position. So if you count that as really 500 squats a night, <laughs> man, there's nights where you come out of the, uh, you come off the field, and I could wring out all my clothes. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're exhausted after that. Yeah. So, there's definitely a physical aspect to all of that, um, and it's hard because you get done with a, a you know I've had a couple like 18 hour work days this year, and uh, it's a grind, man. And the biggest thing for me is I have to try to find a way to eat healthy. Yeah, it is so easy to get home from one of those gigs and pop pizza rolls in the oven. Heck yeah, you know, and that's that's such a grind. So right now that's one of my biggest challenges and something I'm working on, um, and then. Another goal that I have currently is to just drop a few pounds. Yeah, and and that's something they're looking for in the uh, in the uh, the baseball world as well, man. the The age of the overweight umpire is over. You're you're gonna get to the top simply because, and a big aspect is because you look fit, you look slim. Yeah. And so that's one of my biggest things too is just trying to drop a few pounds, eat better, just and, and maintain a healthier 
you know, lifestyle while you're grinding out 18 hour days like that. Do you uh, drink water in between pitchers in between innings? Uh, what's your, what's your water intake like on the daily? So I have completely cut out soda. Sweet. As of, as of January 1st, 2019. And I was a Mountain Dew guy. Oh yeah. So that that has made a big difference too. Um, but I, I've been pounding water this summer just from all the outside stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, just being in the sun and and losing multiple pounds of of water weight, you know, that's been a really crucial thing for me. So, yeah, I mean, I'm crushing several bottles of water per game. And then, you know, if I'm driving home for two hours, it's it's the high electrolyte water. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of stuff, and you got to drink it on the gig too, because uh, uh, for those of you who know about the saxophone, you know you got to you 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 really got to kind of be hydrated so that you keep everything uh, at a moisture level. That that uh, if you keep everything moist, I was going to say, but that's yeah. you know, moist is such kinda a weird, funny word. But... Yeah, it's kind of weird, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's just like. Uh, you can't have a you can't have a dry read. You can't you know you gotta you gotta create the seal. You gotta get the vibration. Blah 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 blah. So water, to me, and I've said this before a bunch to anybody that will listen. Water is the is the absolute building block of everything. I totally agree. Just keeps you keeps all the toxins down. It it helps you to repair and rest and you know recover and the whole nine yards, man. It's really great. Well, I'm glad to hear you're doing that. Okay. So, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the stress of the schedule and how you deal. We were just talking before the before we started recording here. And uh and I was saying, so we're sitting here in the podcast. You Micah gets a call for a master session tomorrow. For those of you who don't know what a master session is, that's a, a big recording session under the auspices of the uh, American Federation of Musicians. And just to be real square, a master session pays better than $150 an hour. And it's a three-hour block. And usually, if somebody has the budget to pay that kind of money, it's an artist, uh, no matter what genre, no matter who they are, it's somebody you want to play with. So you get a text, you pick it up, you're super excited. Your, what's your, what are you scheduled for tomorrow? Uh, for tomorrow, I, I start the day a little bit before 6 a.m., and I'll go into the afternoon at okay. the golf course. So would you, would you, you have to take that session, agree? Absolutely. Okay, yes. and, and your, your guys at the golf course, they understand, and they would probably go out and buy the record after it came out, right? I mean, they're, they're, they've been very supportive. Yeah, that's cool. Very so, fortunate. So do you go to work at 6 and stay until 9 and then make your 10 o'clock session? How's that work? Oh, man, this is a great question. <laughs> this is a great question. And it's something I've really had to become good at in the last two years. Um, I am in no position to ever turn down a gig right now. That's my yeah. goal is to always take calls um, for these gigs. Uh, and so scheduling and being super organized has been very important for me. So what I try to do is prior to even getting the call, figure out a way to maximize my morning shifts um, at the golf course specifically. Okay. Um, but mostly because you're working right now. Um, right now you're mostly working at night on the saxophone. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, yeah. Cool. All the live stuff would be okay, at night. Cool. But, but you know, I know there's always going to be a potential to get that call. Hmm. Um, so I'm trying to stack my schedule in a way that would allow me to do that. Or if I get a last minute umpiring call, you know, that pays pretty good. Yeah. I got to be able to, you know, have enough time to drive to that site, wherever it may be out of state, whatever. And, uh, and try to get there. So for me, it's, it's being organized, 
giving yourself the best chance to be successful with whatever call you're going to get. That's become really important for me. And then, and then I found that, you know, um, that place for me where my, my coworkers, my bosses would, would do their best to pick me up if yeah. I needed a ditch you sure. know, for a yeah. session. Absolutely. And, and I think that's great too, is developing these relationships that, you know, are going to benefit you in the long run. I also think that here in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, which is where we're recording, actually we're in Franklin now, which is just outside, but uh, Michael lives, you live up in Nashville, right? Yeah, in the Brentwood area. So Yeah, okay. So Five um, miles out. Um, I think people are used to musos coming into town and looking for that gig that's got the flexibility so that when they get their big break, I'm using air quotes that they, that they do that. But the, the payoff is, I think, I think what you got going, Micah, based on my experience with you is that you've got, no matter what you're doing, whether it's saxophone or golf or umpire, you got a great positive attitude. And that, that really helps people. When people like you, they want to help you. When, when people dig you, they they want. When you're a good hang man, they they want to help you. I mean, uh, Mike and I did a gig a while back, and I, um, I somehow got the wrong venue, and I was like a, I was like 75 miles away, and I and I kind of called him, and I said, dude, here's what's going on. I'm gonna get there just before, uh, just before we hit, and by the time I got there, he had gotten me some food, made sure I had something to drink, met me out in the parking lot, made me feel comfortable, took me up to stage, got me set up. I mean, that that's the kind of person that you want to that you want to help succeed. So that's uh so that's good stuff. So um so you work, let's let's say you work in the morning. You have a one o'clock session, you work in the afternoon and you already knew that you were going to be umpiring somewhere local. How do you balance, like, what does your food look like for the day? What are you eating? Um, it, it really depends. My golf course job is through a giant hotel and convention center in, here in Nashville. You can say the name of Okay, it. yeah. We're, we're owned by Gaylord Opryland, uh, which is owned by Marriott. And so they do a great job of taking care of their employees. And we actually get lunch on site for us. They nice. They deliver it from the commissary each day. So. It, it totally you know varies day to day, but man, I'm trying to eat protein. I'm trying to eat salad, and you know I've cut out the soda stuff, so uh, it, it varies. But I, I'm I've been better about keeping you know some nuts or something in my car just to snack on. A lot of times, you know, I'll be eating in the car between between things between venues I'm going to. Um, now that's, now that's not always happening. You know, there's plenty of times where, where the fast food is, is going to be the easiest for me. And well, you can still make, uh, you can still make good choices. I mean, I haven't been to, uh, the golden arches in probably 15 years. I quit drinking soda. Ah, man, Beth and I stopped when we first got together. I've been married for six, coming up on six years now. We've known each other for eight. We both love diet Dr. Pepper. Ooh. Oh, dude, a twelve pack of that. that no, was your yeah, jam, huh? yeah, that was it. And uh, I had one not too long ago. We went to a restaurant. And it was like, well, let's just get a soda. And it's just cra- that's the dogs barking in the background. By by the way, everybody, <laughs> they say hello. Um, so the soda thing is just enormous. I mean, like if 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 somebody wanted to take one thing away from this, stopping. Uh, sugared sodas and diet sodas too. The, the full sugar soda, you know, you're getting 
35, 40, 50 grams of sugar in a 12 ounce soda. But the diet stuff, the chemicals and all that stuff, man, it's just like there are parts of my body from eating all those chemicals that will that will never deteriorate after I die. They'll never, they just won't degrade because they're, <laughs> they're just pickled by all this. So, so that's real cool. So when you, when, you, when you do fast food, like what's your go-to? Are you a burger and fry guy or are you a Subway guy or you try to... You know, I, I've, I've eaten a ton of Subway actually yeah. on the road. There, there's a 24-hour Subway uh, on one of my stops for um, one of the baseball leagues I do. So I'm, I'm going there at midnight sometimes after these yeah. games. And yeah. So I've done a ton of Subway. Um, I'll do the occasional burger. I I do the taco thing once in a while too. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but yeah, I'm, I'm more of a sandwich guy, honestly. Right. I, I, I dig it. It's a lot of carbs probably, but you know, one of the, one of the tricks that you can use, uh, when you're, when you're, when you're trying to avoid the carbohydrates is, um, ask them to do a skinny on the sandwich. Are you hip to this? Yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. So they, they dig out all of the extra so basically what you get is you get, you know, they serve those big rolls. They dig out the center of the top and the bottom. So basically you're kind of getting the crust. It's mm-hmm. just something to hold the ingredients in with. Sure. And double up on the protein, man, and you're good to go. So that's good. That's a good idea. I have to uh, try that. It does sound like you're making some good choices. And when you get more established and, and, and you can, you know, once you're full-time saxophone and full-time umpire. That's which, the goal. Which yep. you aspire to do um, on the college level. Um, you can probably settle into making and taking food too. You know what I mean? That's, that's huge, man. I hear you. And (laughs) man, the kitchen is not my (laughs) friendliest place to be, (laughs) to be completely honest, but I hear you. And I, you know, that is something that would be cool to work on and get better at. Dude, I promise you, you will evolve. And, and in 20 years when we're rehashing this conversation, you'll be like, Oh, dude, I made a really nice, and you'll tell me about this recipe, and it'll all be good. So, but uh, no hurry. Look forward to that day. (laughs) For now, try practicing boiling water. Yes, sir. uh, That's always good. Okay, so um, tell me about your uh, music career. What do you aspire? What do you like? What's like? What's the gig? What's what do you want to do? Do you want to do five sessions a week and and travel on the weekends with? Somebody famous, or what do you, what do you want to do? I think my ultimate goal when it comes to the to the music world would be to be on the biggest tour that I can while I still want to do that. I mean, I'm 26. Yeah. I just turned 26, and um, man, I just want to travel. Like, if I could play 250 days a year on the road, I think I would do it in a heartbeat. Wow. Um, I've, I've been working with a, a horn section uh, here in town a little bit doing a lot of studio work too. And I enjoy that. I mean, I like that. I like staying local and, um, you know, being able to do some actual playing during the day too, and not just in the evenings, which is super nice. But I think right now for me, I mean, my dream gig would be to be on the road and, and just to be on a huge tour. You know, I, I'd like, I'd love to travel. That's one of my favorite things. What are, what are the instruments that you play? Just, I've, I've, I've been with you when you've played sax. Do you play any keys or do you play any auxiliary stuff? No, but I I don't do many keys. Um, but I mean, I've been working on the doubling a lot too. So I've got the whole family saxophones, tenor mainly, tenor and soprano would be my, my primaries probably. But, um, um, the flute and the clarinet are, man, I've learned that they're so essential to getting gigs, uh, anywhere so that, that's always been a work in progress it's a too. real big doublers it's a real big doublers uh town one of the things that you and i talked about <clears throat> excuse me 
one of the things that you and I talked about when we when we first met on uh, on, on Mike Ferris's gig was uh, why you moved here from Dakota. And I'm I'm a firm believer that anybody out there that is uh, that aspires to be in music, um, or think about this the baseball thing here in the South. I mean the season the seasons are so much longer than they are up north. You know what I mean? Entirely. As far as, as, far as what you can do, uh, I'm sure you experienced that living in the frozen tundra out there. But uh, m- move to where the music is, and then make it work. Yes. Yeah. And when I was moving here, when I was making the decision to, to move, um, it was a purely grad school decision at that point. And I, I had narrowed it down to, to four different schools. Um, and from there, we took it down to two. And uh, it was between here and then somewhere it was a little, a little more remote. And, and I thought, man, if I could do my grad school studies in a place where I could see myself staying after grad school, you're using those two years of school to start building connections, to start gigging in town, you know, to start meeting people. And I was super fortunate to have some really, really great professors, um, really great mentors, you know, people I've apprenticed under who to this day are still, you know, making a huge impact on, on the gigs that I'm playing and, and my professional music life. Tell me, tell me, uh, tell me the couple of professors that really influenced you at Belmont. The, the two biggest professors I had over there were um, Dr. Alex Graham, fabulous sax player. <laughs> incredible lead alto player. Great yeah, player, yeah, incredible. And he's, you know, he's very active around town. He's great with his students. He also does a, um, an incredible summer gig. He's the musical director at a giant hotel up in the, the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the other one would have been uh, Dr. Jeff Kirk. Oh, yeah. He was on the road with... Um, Maynard. Yeah, Maynard Ferguson for a long time. There's great videos of him playing with, with Maynard. Yeah. Um, and, and he was our you know our main uh, jazz band director. And uh, man, that guy knows how to put on a show. His jazz bands weren't just the typical big bands, man. We were the Flying V, huge stage... You know, we were doing the um, Gordon Goodwin tunes and, and huge, huge production with auxiliary percussion. And he's just, he knows how to put on a show and, and really, really great professor. Well, that's good. Both those guys are super passionate, great players and great instructors. Who did you uh, intern with? I think I know the answer to this. You do know the answer to this one. Yeah. His name is Evan Cobb. Um, fabulous sax player, doubler. Oboe player started I mean, started on oboe. Incredible, actually. yeah, he does it all. Yeah, and, and he's he's actually become one of my closest friends down here in Nashville, and a guy who, you know, I lean on professionally and and just socially, you know, and yeah. just, with life, you yeah. know, it's become much more than music with him. But you know, he's he's out on the road with uh, Lauren Daigle right now. Yep, in a great horn section and living the dream. He's got two little kids and yeah. a great family, and yeah. and uh, continues to you know throw me gigs that are really changing how I'm doing things down here. Yeah, that's great. Man. So, that's awesome. so I, I have a lot, I owe a lot to Evan. Well, again, you know, like I said before, you know, when you're a good hang and you're a good human being and, and you're positive, I mean, people want to help you. So that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's part of the reason why you're here today. So that's, that's awesome. Um, man, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about like, uh, we've talked about, you know, nutrition, on the road, we've talked about fitness. Um, 
ha, um, have you, what are the, what are the maladies that kind of go along with the different, I mean, standing on your feet for four hours a night has got, is, is one set, but when you're 26, it doesn't hurt that bad. <laughs> when you're 56, like me, it hurts really bad. But, um, tell me what, what, uh, what would you expect as you go through your umpire career? What would be the things that you are going to want to avoid as far as your, your physical infrastructure? Like, do your knee, do umpires' knees go like catchers? I think that's very possible. I, you know, it's it's a physical activity, a physical job, no doubt. Um, I've been fortunate. I haven't dealt with a lot of those injuries. Good. Um, you know, one of the things, the other night, man, I played a, a wedding show, like a corporate band show. Mm-hmm. It was a long set. Um, and, it, and I had worked, the, you know, the morning before. And it was one of the first times I really felt this. But having the weight of the saxophone on my neck... Man, we hit you know eleven thirty p.m. and I was I was hurting like <laughs> yeah. my back started hurting. I'm yeah. thinking, what is going on? <laughs> um, you know that that was the one of the first times that's happened. But I think I think just staying at a healthy weight right now for mm-hmm. me is is going to be important. And mm-hmm. I you know I got a weight loss goal right now that I'm trying to hit. Um, for are, all of my are you stuff. are you poundage or are you like body fat percentage or what are you? You know, I'm kind of going off pounds just because I knew what my playing weight was in college. Sure. You know, and uh, and I'm I'm certainly not going to get back to that, and I don't think I want to get back to that. But um, if I could get back to maybe 195, okay. I think that would probably be my goal right now. Yeah, yeah. good. Maybe I mean, 15 you're... pounds. I mean, it's not much. No, but... no, it's not. But that last 15 is often often the most most challenge. Hundred percent. Um, so, so yeah, that's good. Now you have to, the other thing I want you to remember too, and, and everybody out here, you know, when, uh, I've seen guys, um, post on Facebook and Instagram, I want to get back to high school skinny. So, uh, so when I was, when I was in high school, I weighed like 190 pounds, but I wasn't really super muscular. So I was probably carrying 160 pounds of lean body, you know, that's bone, organs and and your muscles and your water weight right okay now i carry 187 or 188 pounds of lean body mass mostly in my legs nothing in my ass mostly in my legs uh flattest butt on the face of the planet not that you needed to know that well, well for probably... those of you who don't know Vinny's legs are ridiculous <laughs> man. he's got veins everywhere yeah, my mom calls him tree trunks um but but one of the things that that you and the people who are listening have to remember is that your body is different when you were playing were you on a were you on a weightlifting program oh yeah yeah you guys were in the gym a bunch right oh yeah minimum four days a week okay so you might have been carrying more lean body mass um at that point than you are now you may have lost a little bit or you might be the same so um one of my uh, one of my earlier guests, uh, I'll have to see which episode it was. Doctor Tiff, um, Tiffany Breeding. She's got this machine. You walk in, you take your shoes off, you you grab these handles, and this thing tells you everything you need to know about your body, except for like the sex of your first child. It's amazing, dude. It tells it can tell you, you know, like your legs are this lean, your your torso is this lean, and all that kind of, stuff. and it gives you exactly your numbers. So. You want to get to 195. If you're carrying 182 pounds, because I, I mean I'm looking at your infrastructure, and if you're carrying 182 pounds, 195, that's not even 10% body fat, dude. That's like, you know, you're gonna less beach body stuff. Now, Olympic athletes, you know, 
regular Olympic athletes are at five, six percent. You're talking about being at eight percent. So, um, picking something that's sustainable. You know, it, you pick your worst week. You work the golf course four days. You got three games and you got five gigs. What can you do during that week to maintain and sustain your, you know, what's going on with your infrastructure? And so that's kind of the lowest common denominator, you know, because if you got a light week, you can sit around the house, you can take a job, you can do all that stuff, you know. Yeah, and it varies. And I think it's important to think about, you know, I don't necessarily want to be on the same regimen as I was in college, you know. I think it's a very different time of my life, and I don't need to be in there you know, preparing to to grind out a baseball season six days a week like I was back then. I think it's very different now. So, um, just just physical needs of in terms of exercise, I think changes too. And yeah. and I'm still working out. You know what those are because that's so familiar to you. You do that for yeah. day, you know every every single day for five years in college and the four years previous in high school. And so I think. It's important to figure out what exactly your body needs. Yeah. Now that I'm 26. Uh, the good news is is that you have a you have a handle on what what feels good to you. Um, if somebody wanted to get some help and get a trainer, um, even if it's just one of those deals where you get a program, go in and pay somebody to do an analysis on what's going on. Get yourself on a program and see what works. Because if you start to glean the knowledge from it, then you're going to be able to expand it. Use proper form, the whole nine yards. So it's all it's all really good. Good. So uh, are you uh, are you good off of the tee, around the green, or on the green? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think. Well, if you think about this, I mean, you spend five years in a college weight room learning how to swing a bat, right? <laughs> we say controlled violence, right? A lot of core, a lot of twisting. Yeah. So I like to think I can hit it a long way off the tee. What's your average, What's what would you say your average drive is? Oh, it's got to be close to 300. Nice. Yeah, it's got to be close. But it doesn't always go straight. Right. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> get it to go, go straight. 300 in the right direction. And uh, and so, so do you putt like you drive? <laughs> I bought a new putter this year. I thought that might help, but... Still working on that one, right? That stupid discount at the pro shop. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hate that place. Well, Mike, it's been great uh, spending time with you. We're gonna we're gonna close this portion of the show. We're gonna come back with the uh, with I would say dreaded, but it's not dreaded. It's pretty awesome. We're gonna come back with the speed round. Um, my name is Vinny Shashelsky. I am trying really hard to be the fit musician one. We're here with uh, my good friend Michael Holman. And he's laid a whole lot of good stuff about fitness and health and nutrition and uh, juggling. Busiest man in, uh, in show business right here in front of us. We'll be back in just a minute. Thank you. Uh, here with Michael Holman. He's, uh, he's awesome, as you've heard. Um, really, really just uh, grinding and, uh, and understands the, the value of hard work, uh, being a good hang and, and being a cool dude and, and just a monster player, monster player. So um, I like being with him and hanging out and making music with him. Uh, this is the speed round, y'all. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's a set of six questions. Everybody loves them and answers them fantastic in one way or another. So we're going to get started. You ready, Michael? Let's do it. Okay. Your one best piece of advice for anybody listening. 
I think I've said this a few times over the years, but don't let anybody tell you you can't do multiple things, especially when it comes to athletics or music. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me about, you know, how did you do this this music major thing while you were playing college sports? And, um, and don't settle. Don't settle. I think it's so important to be well-rounded. Um, it'll it'll carry you through life. So I think the best piece of advice I have is to to have interest in multiple things. Do multiple things. Pursue different different interests, and and you'll be happier. Do you know who Michael Bolton is? I do. Um, you know he's still touring. Yes. And he uses a saxophone player. Yes. And you know his big passion is softball. I didn't know that. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to find him, and I want you to tell him that you were a superstar Division Two baseball player, and that you really love softball. And that you're a fantastic saxophone player. That might be your next gig. Right there, <laughs> that might be the end, right? Seriously, he's like, okay, I like the way you play, but can you play first base <laughs> or whatever the deal is? So that's the that's the thing right there. Being well rounded, right? It's there like it's like a blue blue blue. God, I can never say that. Michael, uh, he's a huge hockey fan. Yeah, and he and he hires guys, and you know, and they'll go in and they'll. They'll be in one of the hockey cities, and he'll get permission to go in and skate on the ice with the boys, and they, and they play a pickup game. Buble was probably my most sought-after gig when I was super young. People yeah. would ask me in high school and early college, you know, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to play with Michael Buble. Damn know? right, man. And, and I know for a fact, because I went to a few of his shows, he has uh, at least one guy in his section that played professional baseball. Nice. And, and then gave that up to pursue the, nice. the touring life. I see, uh, man. Pretty uh, neat. Michael Bolton and then Buble. Oh, I can see it. I can, I'll take 10%. Um, <laughs> just for the idea. Okay. Uh, and that segues good into our next uh, question, really well into our next question. Your favorite band or artist? This has been a difficult question if you have multiples, but maybe look at it like who was the most influential artist on your career? Um, the, I think the whole reason that I even started playing the saxophone was because I grew up listening to my uncle in Minneapolis. His name is Kenny Holman, uh, fabulous tenor player, plays with a group called the Hornheads and they were actually <laughs> on print, uh, they were on, on the road with Prince. They're incredible. Yeah. 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 They're, they're unbelievable. So I grew up listening to him. Yeah. Um, and we had a saxophone from, I think my mom, you know, played way back in the day and. And I was drawn to that from, you know, from hearing Kenny the whole time. That is fantastic. And, you know, I'm a huge, I didn't know that, man, or I would have germed the hell out of you, but (laughs) I'm a huge fan of those guys, man. They, they have really uh, made some great stuff and, and they're the the recordings that they've done since Prince, Prince kind of put them on the map for me. And then they've done some really cool, very funky. Oh, they're playing with everybody still. I mean, that's great. They're doing, they're doing huge, huge records and. Um, still a lot of session work. Really tight section. If they uh, if they make it to town and you don't call me for the hang, that's it. We're done. I got you um, on the list. <laughs> okay. Um, and this can be anybody, past, present, future. Future would be kind of weird. Um, most influential person in your life. Yeah, this is the one I was dreading, I think, the most. Um, you know, um, I don't know if I've ever answered... Uh, this question with this answer before, but um, my brother, who is uh, two and a half years younger than me, uh, he he's still in uh, in North Dakota. Um, he was a, a big, big homebody. 
um, and didn't, you know, he, he, he wasn't the type to just leave for college and go out of town, but he ended up chasing the dream to play division one football. Uh, and it was a, it was a rough first year. I know when he moved away, uh, but he, he did it for four years and now he's, you know, he's back, he's coaching two different sports and he's in the weight room and he's got a teaching job and he's umpiring baseball back home and he's killing it right now. And he's, you know, he's, he's got the side hustles like I do, but he's just grinding. And, uh, man, I'm super proud of, of everything he's done in the last, in the last few years. Cause we weren't sure if he was going to stay on that, that track playing division one football. And, you know, he grinded it out for those first couple of years and turned out to love it. So where did, where did he go to school? He played at the university of North Dakota, formerly uh-huh. known as the fighting Sioux. So University of North Dakota, that's Division One, right? That is Division One. Yes, were they, were they Div Two for a while? Yeah, they were. They and were. they were they were national champions for, for a, a lot, right? They, yeah. They so they were Division Two. North Dakota State University, where uh, Carson yeah. Wentz played. Yeah. You know they were Division One when they won the five in a row, or six and seven years, or something like that. But, um, but UND has a, a great history at the D2 level mm-hmm. and they have a, a huge huge hockey program too mm-hmm. before I uh, before I went to Towson University it used to be called Towson State in yeah. Baltimore Towson played one of those schools yes. for the national championship in like 83 and maybe 84 and then again after the turn of the century and that was when Towson was a division 2 also and they moved up to Div- division 1. I, I think you guys spanked us every year. Well, I was going to say I think the University of North Dakota won a division 2 national title in the early 2000s. I could be wrong with that, but I I think that was the case. That's very cool, man. And and what a tribute to your brother. We'll have to make sure that he uh subscribes to the podcast and and can hear that uh that you're you're proud of him. Okay. Two-part question. Uh, your best piece of professional gear. This can be music, uh, umpiring, golf, any any of the any of the above. Um, you know, I was super fortunate to have um, parents who are really really helpful and supportive financially, mentally, physically, all of the above. Um, and I think my dad kind of knew before I did even, but he helped really outfit my whole line of horns. You know, uh, you know, I'm still pretty young down here, and I know of people who are still trying to find their equipment. Man, I got soprano, alto, tenor, and barry. I'm st- I'm stacked on the saxophone front. I've already got my doubles, and I'm I'm really set in terms of my instruments. And to be a doubler and to have that early on, I think is so important mm-hmm. to get time on that instrument in college. Even you know. Um, I just think for all my doubling friends, they know how expensive it can be. You know, you're buying you're buying reeds for everything, and I think that has been a really really um, important thing is to be completely set up in terms of gear. Cool to to push the career. All right, so it would be that would be your horns. What's the best piece of athletic gear that you have? <laughs> um, I'm definitely not going to say golf clubs for this. Yeah. I need I need some new golf clubs. <laughs> Um, there's that shop, that shop discount again. Dang it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with something baseball related for this. I mean, uh, I had, you know, the same glove all the way through college and you treat that thing like your baby, right? So, (laughs) um, but now, I mean, uh, my gear that I wear behind the plate umpiring. Yeah. Man, that stuff has saved my life a few times. I think you, you take a beating back there. Oh yeah. And, uh, 
<laughs> my mask probably would be the, the yeah, correct answer. For absolutely, that. man. Protecting those chops. But I imagine that, uh, uh, you know, the center of your body is, is covered up pretty good. Do you wear stuff on your legs underneath? I do. Yeah, they're shin guards with steel-toed shoes. Yeah. Honestly, if I get hit in the bottom half, it is what it is. I yeah. can brush that off. But yeah. when you're wearing around your head and your oh, yeah. your chest, and Whew. for me, man, covering, covering my hands, yeah. super important. Getting oh, those behind. Yeah. Break a finger, and then you lose your. Oh yeah, no good. No, I don't even want to. Okay, <laughs> and this is the last one, and uh, and uh, probably the the most difficult question that I ask. But this is a great question. I don't know what I was eating or drinking that day, but when I came up with this question, it was awesome. Okay, you ha- uh, you're not married. You don't have kids. So usually I say, besides being married and having kids, any smart person would say would give those two answers. Um, but the most Positive event of your life. Yeah, this is a this is a really hard question. This is this is the deep stuff here. This is the heavy stuff you're going after. <laughs> We're not uh, talking subway. Here. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I think for me, uh, it was in 2016. I just graduated with my undergrad, and I and I did that all at home. You know, I'd been living at home for that whole time. But I think for me, it was when I chose to to move and chose to m- take the leap down here. Um, before I moved to Nashville, I jumped on the the island in in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan with Dr. Alex Graham, who we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And I worked, you know, professionally up there for a summer as a as a musician at that hotel. And I think that that was a big step, just getting away and preparing myself to make the move to Nashville. And um, I mean, it's a long way. You, you know, it's a twenty twenty three to twenty five hour drive Whew. up there. Wow. And so it's not it's not like you can just go home for the weekend. No. So that was a big adjustment for me, but you know, I think it was 100% the right move. Oh, I could not agree more. And uh and it really the that was the biggest move I had made up until that point, you know, and and so I think for me that was the biggest game changer. If if my intuition serves the both of us correctly, I think that it's going to continue to be a really positive, the most positive thing that you could have done. Because if you want a career, you go to where the music is. So you could choose New York City, and you could go up there, and you could get, you know, you could stand on the in the jazz jams and get cut, and on, you know, just be pissed off all the time. You could go to LA, you know, which is real spread out and, and not as personal, and and uh, anybody who's got a gig out there is going to hang on to it for a long time. You're in the right place because it's such a melting pot. Uh, the people who are from here are awesome. The people who have migrated here, it's just become this really super cool, cooperative um, uh, community uh, that wants to help. And uh, I think that's great, man. You know, it's interesting. I might go off on a small tangent here, but yeah. it's interesting that you said, you know, the cutting sessions in New York. Yeah. And I've thought about that, you know, and I don't think of music, for for me at least, music isn't a competitive environment. Nope. You know, I find my and I I'm as competitive as it gets. Yeah. And I find that in other places. For me for me it's the you know, it's the golf or it's or it's the climbing the ladder of the umpiring world, but being in Nashville specifically. And this is one of the more, you know, you meet people that are that are on your side, really, you know, and it's a it's a cooperative environment and 
and it's people that are on the same path to make good music. And yeah. it's a great hang. Yeah. It's a great hang here. I, you know, when I first got to town, I would say that it was uh, a little bit less like that. But as time has gone by, and I think more people have come in to influence it. And, uh, you know, I, it, we're all on a journey, you know. Um, if you'd have known me 25 years ago, we wouldn't have been having this conversation. I made a lot of bad decisions and mistakes and, and did some stupid shit. But, uh, but, uh, but about 20 years ago, man, I just, I just decided, you know, when my doctor speaking of the fitness thing, and I, I probably said this before in June of 1999, 20 years ago, my doctor said, you weigh 313 pounds, you're fat and you're going to die. And you're going to die soon if you don't get up off your fat ass and lose some weight. And I was like, shut up. You're stupid. But, it, <laughs> man, it, it made a difference to me. And you know what? I think, and you, you can relate to this. Let's talk about when you have that aha moment when you say, man, I'm kind of heavy. I'm not really feeling great about myself. It, it's more of a chore to maintain that, that glow on the outside when you don't feel great about yourself. 100%. As you get more fit and as you lose weight and when you get up and you look at the scale and you lost a pound in a couple of days and you're like, one pound closer to 195, baby. <laughs> Heck yeah. It, it's just a great feeling, right? So that's kind of what we're trying to promote here too. Um, man, those were some incredible, incredible answers. And I appreciate your time so much and I'm really looking forward to making a lot of great music with you. Maybe... I don't want to go on a road for 250 dates, but I'll, <laughs> I'll go out. Hey, let's do this. 250 dates at $500 a date or 100 dates at 1500 a date. Hey, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> hey, it's out there, bro. Vinny's got this figured out. It man. is out there, bro. Well, hey, thanks so much for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm Vinny Shashelsky, and again, I'm trying real hard to be the fit musician. Thank you so much for for giving us your time today. My my huge thanks to Micah, and uh, I'd like you all to do me a favor and go be awesome.